This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good evening and welcome to tonight's Known and Ever podcast. I'm Jamie Smith and my guests this evening are Becky, James, Robbie and Adam. We will kick off with Saturday's FA Cup game at Southampton. A seven-goal thriller at St Mary's. Burnley went a couple of goals down in the first half but roared back into contention in the second half with Sam Volts and Danny both on the score sheet. Southampton needed to rely on England internationals Jay Rodriguez and Adam Willana to get through the tie. But we gave an excellent, excellent account of themselves. James Bird, we'll start with you. You were at Southampton for us at the weekend. What did you make of Burnley's performance? James Bird, are you there? Actually, Scarp's frozen. Sorry, um, Scarp is frozen. Um, uh, <laughs> great yeah, it was, great uh, start to the Non and Ever podcast, though. Great start. We'll just pretend that all I think, was, uh, I think it was. I think it was a great second half. Um, the first half was kind of boring, really, to be honest. And uh, apart from two very good goals, although we probably should have closed Lambert down a little bit more, um, there wasn't really much in it. Um, the second half, though, was, I think, was entertaining football at its best. And uh, I think if you just show that to any neutral, you'd uh, probably turn someone who wasn't a football fan onto the game, I think. It came from nowhere, didn't it, really? I mean, the first half, just listening to the radio commentary, it was quite disheartening for me that Southampton seemed so much better than us. And I, I had no hope of us getting back into it at all. It was totally different at half-time. What what do you think the difference was after the break? Uh, I'm not sure it didn't work much better in the first half, to be honest. They scored two very good goals. And uh, towards them, they did start to control the play a bit more. But um, I think we came out second half with a little bit more fire. Um, Danny Ings in particular looked very lively. And uh, I think we just sort of fed off that energy. What about Jack Cork in the Southampton midfield? You are, of course, a, a big fan of Jack Cork. I don't think he did a massive amount to be honest on Saturday. He sat very deep. Um, he controlled the ball in the way that we all all know he can, sort of collecting it deep, passing it around. Um, but he didn't really get much chance to, to show the other aspects of his game, to be honest. We'll come on to the other ex-Burnley player, shall I say, that was on display at the weekend. But we'll come on to you. No, no, Becky, so welcome to the podcast, your first time on the podcast. You were at Southampton at the weekend as well. What did you make of Burnley's performance? Um, the second, like I said, I completely agree with um, with what the, uh, the last person was saying about the game. Um, the first 10-15 minutes, Burnley looked well. Um, and then, like I said, you couldn't argue with those two goals. But like I say, yeah, Lambert should have closed him down. But that first goal was unbelievable. It really was. Um, like I say, they come. Like I say, they come out second half like a totally different side. They come out. They wanted it. They should. They could have won it. Um, they were just. They were just unlucky. Um, I think Sean Dash has obviously taught. You know, given the right team talk to them, and they've. You know, like I say, they take on boy what he said. Like they've done in every game this season so far, and that reflects in where, where we are in the position in the league. 
I think we we could have easily lost the game um, fairly heavily if it had gone a different way at halftime. So it was extremely encouraging that we did fight our way back into the game. There were a couple of big turning points in the second half as well. I think at, at two all, Sam Bolts had a good chance saved by Kelvin Davis, and at three two, Danny yeah. Ings hit the post. So we were extremely yeah. close to getting something even more from him. And it was on the break that Alana scored the the fourth Southampton goal that really killed us off. Um, James, what about the reception for Jay Rodriguez? Of course, um, lots and lots of love for the from the Burnley fans for the for the ex Claret. Yeah, he got a fantastic reception from uh, the Burnley fans. Uh, the Southampton fans had a quite amusing chant I think, in response to uh, he's mm-hmm. one of our own. Um, but uh, he, he had a, a decent game. Obviously, he scored, but I think that goal was probably a little bit dubious in the build-up to it. Um, it was good to see him again. The goal was his goal was so strange, wasn't it? Was it um, was it Lallana went into the box and he thought there was a penalty or something? And everyone seemed to stop. Heaton stopped. The defenders stopped, and Jay just put the ball in the net and didn't celebrate because he'd scored against us. But everyone was a bit confused about what had gone on. It was very very strange. Yeah, I mean, Lallana breaks into the box and he, he does look like he's fouled. He does look like he's fouled and Heaton picks the ball up and then it looks like he's fouled as well. And he sort of chucks it out and everyone stands around a bit before Jay sort of prods it home. I suppose there was just so many other stories going on that the, how much of a mess that goal was has got lost a bit um, in hindsight with obviously Lallana was in the news for his controversy with the referee and Rodriguez playing against his old club, the same way Sam Bolts and Danny Ings apparently being Southampton fans as they were growing up. There was so many stories to come out of that game. Um, did you enjoy seeing Jay Rodriguez again at the weekend, Becky? Oh, yeah, I loved it. You know, he's wherever he's going to go, you know, whatever team we, whatever team he goes to, and if we end up playing them, he's going to get the same reception as he did at Burnley. He'll always be a claret, and, it, you know, he came over at the end, and he all clapped us, and like it looked like he thanked us for, you know, for, you know, for, for the support for him. Well, he's not we'll say not support, but you know what I mean. Um but yeah, I say he's always gonna be a clarity, he's, you know. And I, you know, he's he, he's done he, it's a good move for him and, and he's done really well this season for Southampton. And he deserved he fully deserved his place in the England team in, in that friendly, but unfortunately he didn't do, you know, as well as I thought he would do. Yeah, I think his goal against us was his 10th of the season, which is pretty good going. As you say, like when he got in the England squad, he probably didn't do himself justice, but I think it's been a great show of his character in the last few weeks to perform even better, yeah. arguably. And he'll keep himself in Roy Hodgson's thoughts as, as long as he keeps doing that. It's a shame, really, that we couldn't get Jay back to the turf, get a replay. But Robbie, I suppose the squad as small as we've got, we didn't really want that extra game. So we'd, we'd rather lose the game than draw it. Do you think that's fair? Um, I don't know really because I think if you think back to our promotion season, we had a a relatively small squad then, and I don't I don't think it had too much of an effect when we got to semi finals of the Carling Cup. Albeit we had a I think didn't win in seven games in that January February time back then, but we still ended up getting promoted. It can work both ways, can't it? You get the momentum from a cup run, but when when you only have a few players that you can rely on, like us, I think. Um, the extra football can be a bit of a problem sometimes. We at all disappointed to go out of the cup then? Would you like to see us go on a cup run this season? Um, obviously a cup run would have been nice, but um, um, yeah, I suppose I was disappointed. But I, I suppose that when we were two 0 down at half time, I just wanted us to come out and uh, try and at least compete with them, and we more than did that. I suppose um, the fact Southampton got relatively straightforward on paper at least in the next round they've got your lots perhaps in case it would have gone on further although we would have had a different number so you, you can't quite work it out that way um, we've had a couple of comments on the chat if you are listening through the chat please do um, join in with your comments because it makes the podcast much better when we get some interaction um, we've got Stato Paso on who says we'll sign Jay, Charlie and Andy Payton next season to go along with things I'm not sure if that's going to happen but um interesting way of looking at it uh, Matty points out some of the big news that's broken today is that Theo Walcott's um, got a problem with his ligaments in his knee I think he's going to be out for six months so it rules him out of the World Cup 
even this early. He says, does that mean Jay Rodriguez has chances of getting in the, the England squad are improved? Points out that Raheem Sterling is currently the bookies' favourite. Um, that's an interesting one. We can do that, actually, while we're on the Southampton game. James, do you think Jay's got a good chance of going to the World Cup, or do you think the fact that he didn't really impress in that friendly, is that going to count against him? James Bird, are you there? I am. <laughs> are you there, Jeremy? <laughs> you weren't listening, were you? I was asking you about Jay Rodriguez. No, I don't. So he, he just for a second and came back on. <laughs> so actually, I wasn't there, but then I, I was. So yeah. So could you could you repeat the question, please? <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, I was asking about. Um, Jay Rodriguez going to the World Cup uh, because Theo Walcott's injured and he's not going to be able to go. What do you make of his chances of being in the squad for Rio? Um, I think it'd be really good if he went. I haven't watched England play in a few years, so I'm not really <laughs> sure how, how likely that is. It would be great to see a, a Burnley lad at the World Cup, though, wouldn't it? It would be fantastic. It would be amazing to see him there, to be fair. It would be, it'd be absolutely sensational. I think to see somebody play at Burnley. Um, and, you know, it was a Burnley lad uh, lighting up the world stage. Um, whether it's likely to happen or not, it doesn't matter, but obviously it would be fantastic to see. Um, not just a, a Burnley lad, someone who's been drinking in Smackwater Jacks. So that, that's um, something. Someone that's been in Smackwater could be playing at the World Cup. That would be mind-boggling, really. Becky, what do you think Jay's England chances are like now, especially with Walcott being out injured now? Um, well, J-Rod J- J- scores goals, and he's not good. In an England squad, he, with you know the, the, there are some good players there. J-Rod has proved that when he plays up front, he can score goals. Um and I don't know. I don't think he'll do that if he, you know, he's put out on that left hand side. He needs to be in that centre role. And, you know, he, like I say, he he, he, know, he knows he can score. We know he can score if he plays that centre role. But but he, he can't comp, he can't compete with the quality of Rooney and you know Wellbeck and you know you know the rest of them. Um, so whether whether Hodgson takes him to the World Cup, I don't know. Um, but I don't see why, you know, he's he's got a good chance as anyone else, really. If he's scoring goals and, you know, in the Premiership, why why not take him to the World Cup? If Hodgson wants to pick on form and he, he's standing in the past that he will do, then, yeah, he's got an excellent chance. Uh, he does tend to play off the left for Southampton as well. I, I think that's possibly his position as much as he's playing up front at the moment. But, yeah, it will be interesting to keep an eye on it. I think there's only a couple of friendlies before the... World Cup squad is announced. I think we've lost Robbie, so we'll have to try and get him back at some point. But we'll come to you, Adam. Yeah, just after that friendly when he uh, when J Rod uh, played for England the first time, um, there was a big worry that his his kind of credibility would go out the window. He'd be the the failed striker who played for England once. Um, but since then, I, I notice in like the national press, he's seemed to have regained his reputation if he if he ever lost it. Um, so I think that that kind of puts him in good stead um, for going to to the World Cup. Yeah, it was really really important that he he found some form after that game. It could have been a real blow to his confidence. Just looking at his record this season, actually, he scored um, six in his last eight or nine games. So he's in really good form at the moment. And if he keeps up that sort of goal scoring, it will be extremely difficult for Fodgson to leave him at home, especially with. England's striking options not being particularly great. Uh, Robbie, we'll come to you on this point before we move on to more Burnley-related matters. What do you think Jay's chances of going to the World Cup are at the minute? Um, I think he should go. However, I, I don't think he will. I think that Hodgson may may go for experience. You know, I don't. Jermaine Defoe will probably go. He hasn't had kicked the ball to Tottenham this season. I don't particularly rate Welbeck, and he will probably go. I think Sturridge will probably go. I think Raheem Sterling will go, and I think that just drops Gerard down the pecking order slightly, and I I don't think he'll go. But realistically, he should do, but I don't think he will. 
who will be interesting to keep an eye on it. And I'm sure we'll talk about Jay Rodriguez on the podcast again, even though we've been accused on the chat of turning into a Southampton podcast. We are going to move away from the Southampton game um, now. And a point, actually, Rick's been asking how you get on the podcast. I'm glad you've asked because we've had some problems this evening really getting a panel together. Um, basically, we're looking for anyone who's interested in coming on the podcast to come on. All you have to do is get in touch with us. You can do that via Twitter is a really good way. We're at net, or you can email us and our email address is blog at net. All you need is Skype an internet connection and to be available at Monday night on seven o'clock. So that's it, really, Rick. We'd love to get you on sometime. Just um, drop us a line at some point, and we will get that sorted. We are keen to get as many new people on the podcast as possible. Um, but we will move on now to the game before Southampton, which was Huddersfield at home on New Year's Day. Burnley got the year off to a winning start after a couple of slightly disappointing results over the Christmas period. Three two. It was another. A bit of a thriller, really, with all those goals. Um, James Bird, what did you make of the, the New Year's Day game? It was a, a more difficult one than you'd have expected, really, Huddersfield at home, wasn't it? Um, yeah, but I think, again, there's this, uh, this thing about, obviously, sides that are well below us come to places like to more, you know, they see our record at home and they want to get a result because they, they think that sends a message to the team around them. And... Uh, I think that is the you know that is the case. Sides like Huddersfield, they'll come to the turf and this is a challenge. You know, this playing one of the sides near the top who are in fantastic form at home, they see that as a game that no one expects them to win. So almost the pressure's off. It is a very interesting way of looking at it, but the, the fact that our record at home is so good, um, not just this season, going back to last. Indicates that we've dealt with that quite well, and I thought it was extremely good that we managed to get the two goal cushion in the second half when we could have just tried to shut up the shop for the win. Obviously, scored an extremely good goal through Trippier, and that meant that when they got one back at the end, it, we still got the points. So I thought that was extremely important that we got the two goal lead just to give us a bit of a cushion. It meant that we consolidated that a little bit and clung on a bit at the end. Robbie, you were at that yeah. game, we were a little bit concerned over the way Huddersfield cut us open a few times or were you always confident we were going to get the win? Um, at 3-1 I was obviously confident we were going to see the game out. Um, I think I think Huddersfield have been the best team to come to the turf this season I'd say. Um, obviously I think at 3-2 and it's the 93rd minute and they draw the ball across goals, open net for the, the wide man to put it in and I, I don't know what happened there's a massive scramble and it just manages to go wide and that were that were frightening right at the very, very end. They were all very good goals though, weren't they? The ones that we scored. James, the trippy one in particular, you don't really expect your right back to get in those positions. Do you? Yeah, I think that showed a lot about the way our side play. You know, he pressed up well and then he gets a quick break. He probably gets a little bit lucky when he takes it around the keeper because he does take it a little bit far. Uh, giving himself that really narrow angle. But, you know, anyone watching that would have thought that was Danny Ings scoring it, not your right-back Kieran Trivia. And exactly right to say that your right-back getting forward with 10 minutes to go when you're already winning the game, it just indicates that we were very keen to get the game killed off and we needed that goal in the end, so it was absolutely vital. Three really good goals Burnley scored, actually. The first one, um, Jones may be a little bit speculative over the top frames, but a typically Danny Ings finish now just underneath goalkeeper in the second one. Absolutely excellent goal. If you were putting together a top five Danny Ings goals of the season, I think your second one would have probably been up there. Um, Becky, if we come to you on the Huddersfield game, um, were there any anything in particular strike you about that match? What did you make of Huddersfield's performance? Do you think Burnley were comfortably the better side or do you think it was quite tight? Burnley could have put it to bed um, quite easily, but... You know, David Jones had two glorious chances, and he could, and two and two two chances that could have, could have gone in. You know, he's free kick that come off the crossbar, um, and he's 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 shot that he had the the the, um, the keeper saved. It were a turn, and he it were going in top corner. It were absolutely brilliant. Till like I said, till he tipped over. It was for, you know credit to the keeper who were on his toes, but you know it, David David Jones you know played really well, and Burnley could have put it to bed really. Um, you know, quite easily, but they let they let others feel back in. But compared, 
that to the game that we played at their at their place. Um, I thought they were a far better team, you know, a far better performance from their perspective at their at their ground rather than at turf. Um, they didn't look like the side that we played and not so long ago. Um, but like I say, it sh- it shows it shows well that you know like there's you know there's options from other players on the pitch, not just Danny Ings and Sam Vaux scoring goals. There's goals coming from from everywhere. Um, and you know that that's you know it's part you know it's part of the reason why we're doing so well. You know we're not just relying on one player score the goals. That is a really important point. Actually, we had got into a little bit of a rut of relying too heavily on Vaux one point, but just looking at the last couple of games, Vaux and Ings have both scored. Trippier and Long have chipped in as well. Arfield scoring against Blackpool. Catley got the winner against Barnsley. So everyone is contributing. We are going to need to keep that up because. There's no other strikers in the squad, basically, so everyone is going to have to contribute with goals. Um, interesting point Becky just raised there about Huddersfield, actually. I was at the Huddersfield away game, and I thought the way they were set up really um, counted our threat really well. In that they, they played three at the back with two wing-backs, which meant uh, Trippier didn't really have enough space when he was going forward, and we struggled to get balls into the box. But we've obviously found a way around that in the whole game because we've created much, much more. And also, Becky pointing out about Jones, he's been extremely unlucky in front of goal recently. I think he must be due a goal at some point, maybe worth a quid or two for the weekend game at Yeovil, although none in ever, of course, promotes responsible gambling, so only bet where you can afford to lose. We've got a couple of comments on the chat that we will go through before we move on to the next game. So much to get through tonight. Four games since we had the last podcast, of course, because we were away last week, I'm afraid. A um, couple of comments. Stasso Paso says Huddersfield were poor at the back, but they've been one of the better attacking teams we've seen at Turf Moor. I'm sure Martin Patterson was keen to do well on his return to Turf Moor. Got a couple of goals. Um, as regards to this month, I feel that the teams we've got to play in January are going to set us up for the rest of the season. This is the most winnable month. Um, I hope you're right there, Rick, because Burnley do have a, a tradition, really, of losing to the bad teams and beating the good ones. Um, so yeah hopefully you're right there and Ganks going back to the, the chat about the World Cup a few minutes ago he says it'd be good to see Danny Ings in Brazil as he's currently still a Burnley player um, absolutely um, but yeah we're all going to carry on talking about Jay Rodriguez because everyone's extremely proud of him and he's an excellent excellent advert for Burnley I think so we will keep talking about him even though people aren't necessarily pleased about it we'll go back to the game before Huddersfield won now I hope everyone's going to be able to stretch their minds back to the nil-nil draw at Wigan which wasn't a particularly good day out, was it, James Bird? Absolutely abysmal. And I know many people disagree with me on this, but I thought we were absolutely woeful. We showed no desire. Wigan showed no desire. It was just possibly the dullest game I've seen all season. And since I've missed, I think, just five league games, I've seen quite a lot of football, and that was by far the worst game. Even worse than it was. So, yeah, I wasn't particularly impressed. Why do you think that was? Do you think it was just that um, it was two quite strong teams? Like Wigan aren't doing particularly well in the league, but they've got a lot of good players. Do you think both teams were just happy for a draw? Was it the fact that there's so many games at Christmas? They were just energy levels were down? Why, why do you think it was such a poor game? I'm not really sure, to be honest. It, it, but you, you, you didn't expect a little bit more energy from us, especially when so there were so many away fans there. Uh, there wasn't much atmosphere at all from the home ends and uh, we were, you know, pretty loud early on at least and uh, you would have thought the players would feed off that and, and want to do something for the fans but it just didn't really seem to get going. It was a strange one, wasn't it? Because there was almost 5,000 Burnley fans there. You would expect them to make a lot of noise and be quite intimidating for the home side but really seem like that translated onto the pitch. Even listening to the, the commentary, it sounded very much like we were quite happy with nil-nil, even in the first half. Um, like All draws away from all months to be sniffed at, but I was a little bit disappointed that we didn't try a little bit harder to get that win. Becky, do you think we were just playing for a nil-nil, or is that not really a fair thing to say about the Wigan game? I don't know what we were playing for. Like, uh, yeah, it was one of the it was one of the worst games for a long, for a long while that I've watched Burnley play. Um, really dull game. It's the way I don't I don't other than dull and you know nothing much to apart from apart from the uh, the, <laughs> the, the goal that we thought had all gone in that Wigan were going away at. Um, there wasn't really much in it. 
you know, there were bits of good play by Wigan, there were a bit of possession by us, but it, it just weren't a good game to watch. Almost a non-event, really. No, it was a shame because there was such a good good support from Burnley, um, and we we really you know we really out you know outsung the Wigan fans. They were they were lifeless as well. Well, but, yeah, Wigan don't have a lot of fans. I don't think they're particularly well known for their support. Um, we'll probably leave the Wigan game there actually, just because there's so little to talk about it. We do have a few comments to go through before we move on. Matty says it was two good teams cancelling each other down, which I think is a, a pretty fair way to put it. So uh, it's difficult to, to say too much about this one, but we do have some more comments. And Matty also says the referee was abysmal at Wigan. There was a lot of that on Carrot's play that I was listening to, criticising the, the referee more than usual. Actually, Chris is another referee. Rick says, picking up points when playing badly is the mark of a decent squad. That's a good point. If we can play that badly and still get draws all season, that'll go down pretty well. I think Gank says it's probably the worst game I've seen in years. Dash was well chuffed with the draw, which says it all really. Stafford passed as well, not really happy with the ref, says he had a good game at the Dale match on Saturday. Burnley were knackered, but could have nicked it with Jones and Ings' chances. Wigan reminded me of an Eddie Howe Burnley team, pass, pass, go nowhere and repeat. Rick says, the away support's always best to take turf more. The atmosphere is also quiet from our fans. It's weird. Um, we've done the atmosphere to death, really. <laughs> so we, we won't go back to that too much. Um, one point I do just want to raise, partly about Wigan and partly the other games, James, um, Keith Tracy's been back in the side with Michael Kitely dropping out. Um, what do you think? Why do you think, firstly, why do you think Tracy's got the nod over Stanislas? And do you think he's justified his selection in the last couple of games? Um, I think I think Keith brings a, a more technical passing ability to, to his game than Junior Stanislas. And he's probably a little bit more consistent in that he, he puts in a good shift off the ball, um, which I think sometimes Stanislas can be a little bit suspected, being lightweight and uh, not really fancying the challenge, which is something Keith's, I think, changed in this season. And uh, he's done a lot better tracking back and getting stuck in. But I think uh, he probably could have justified his selection, but I think, unfortunately, we've not really been playing to Keith's strength, which is getting the ball to his feet. But there's been quite a lot of balls for him to chase, and that's not really Keith Tracy's sort of game. He can't, he can't chase on balls. He has got actually a lot more pace than he used to this season. I think that's come with him, obviously. But you're still not going to give him balls over the top and expect him to keep them in and uh, get a ball in. No, I think it was the um, which game was it? I think it was the Huddersfield game. I was listening to the commentary, and as normal, all of our play was going down the right wing, and we were creating plenty through Trippier and getting plenty of balls into the box. But Tracy didn't really get a sniff. I think that's partly just because with Trippier being such a threat for us, we naturally go down that wing so much. And if Tracy is playing on the left, I know they'll switch wings quite a lot. It just makes it harder to get him in the game. But you are right, like we do play it over the top a bit too much. And if Tracy's going to play, we have to learn to play to his strengths and get get him on the ball to get the ball into his feet in the final third where he can cause trouble. Um, Becky, we've not had you on the podcast before, so or get a, a slightly different perspective on Keith Tracy, because the rest of us have talked about him until our faces have fallen off pretty much. What are your thoughts on Keith Tracy? Personally, I don't think he's good enough. I think, I think you know, it, it'll be a good addition to have Ross Wallace back. And uh, um, I just don't think Keith, um, he's, how he operates, how, how he plays, he's, he's obviously a lot slower than the way that, Trippier's plays and you know when he when he links up with Wallace when Wallace has been playing and Scott Arfield as well I think he's I don't know the way that he processes you know what he wants to do is he's, he's not as fast as Trips or you know Wallace or you know Arfield operate on that on that wing when you know in each and I, I I do I do like him and he does try but I don't think he's good enough um that's my per- that's my personal opinion of him. It's a funny one, really, Tracy, isn't it? Because he's sort of by accident really become a bit of a cult hero at Turf Moor and things like the, the live box that they always do. We're always rooting for Keith as Keith as we refer to him as the boss. We're always rooting for him to do well, and we always chat about him on the podcast. We're all desperate for him to prove that 
he's a really good creative player. We just don't really see it enough from him. And it's frustrating for everyone. And we sometimes get comments on Twitter and things just saying, why do you all treat Tracy like he's some sort of hero? He's a waster and he's been stealing a living off us for two and a half years. And you can't really argue with that. We've seen probably half a dozen performances from him in two and a half years and it not really been good enough. But I think a run in the side could do good. So it will be interesting with Ross Wallace coming back to fitness. We'll talk about Wallace a little bit later in the podcast. Um, I think Kiteley's had a bit of an injury problem at the moment. So Tracy's got a chance and it'll be interesting to see if Sean Dash sticks with him. Um, Robbie, we'll just come to you on Keith Tracy. What, what do you make of Tracy? Do you think he's worth the place in the side or... Would you be playing Stanislas or Stead? What, what would you be doing without Kiteley? Um, I, I like Keith Tracy. I, I think he's a, a genuinely a decent player. Um, I'd have him in in the squad rather than Ross Wallace. I, I think Ross Wallace is well overrated, if I'm honest. Um, I've always wondered if Keith Tracy... If, I'd like to see him maybe play just behind the striker. Obviously, Danny Ings plays that role at the moment. But I, just, I think if he just played behind the striker, I think it might just... It's just giving him a little bit more maybe to express himself a little bit more and obviously he's got shot shot on him as well with his left foot. Um he might be able to create a couple of things as well from that position. I think that was a good point. Matty Matty Crossley on the chats just said the same thing. He'd be a really good central attacking midfielder, but we don't need that kind of player and um we talked on the podcast a few weeks ago, I think, about what we would do if one of the strikers got injured. And I think playing tra- Tracy off Ings or Volts could work. It's just that when Ings and Volks are both fit and available, that's obviously going to be the strike for us. So it is a difficult one. Quite a lot of views on Tracy, who is probably the most divisive Burnley player in, in some time, really. Uh, Paul says a run in the team would be his best bet. He's started the last three games, I think. So if if he's going to get up to sort of match levels of fitness, that's going to be enough, I would think. Um, Yeovil away at the weekend, it was Yeovil at home that he made such an impression, of course, scoring that goal, so it will be interesting to see if he plays there. Rick's been on as well, says Tracy's a brilliant player, he's brain, he's geared for football, he's technically good on the ball, he's just not quick, but he's not been utilised properly. If we could mix up the ability of Tracy with the pace of Stanislas and the experience of Kitely, then it would be messy mark too. Um, I think if you started playing that game, mixing attributes of Burnley players up. You could come up with some really, really good players, but unfortunately we, we couldn't do that. Um, a couple more comments, actually, before we move on from Tracy. We talk about Tracy all night. Um, he's one of those people that gets people really passionate about football. Paul says he'd love Keith to contribute and be a success, but I fear he's a spent force. I think that probably sums up um, Keith Tracy, I'm afraid, but we are all... all rooting for him um, that does remind me Adam's just reminded me on the chat of um, some chat we were having on the, the live blog for the last game I'm trying to remember what game which because we've played so many recently we got into mixing the names of players up like um, Sam Volts and Danny Ings we've been calling them things for some time and you could have um, Kitely and Tracy it could be tightly Adam's just said <laughs> I think we had some good ones at the back we had Schlong for Shackle and Long, although I was insistent that Duffel, Duff and Shackle would be better. But yeah, you could get some really good ones by doing that. Um, there's one more game to go through, actually, um, before we move on to um, matches, but we're probably not going to do too much on this one. We lost 1-0 at Middlesbrough on Boxing Day. Um, not much of a Burnley performance, really. Our first defeat since Huddersfield. The only thing to really go through on that one, I think, is whether Tom Heaton should have saved the goal. Um, James, we'll start with you. If you can cast your mind back that far, it was a while ago. Now, Boxing Day, there's been a lot of drinking and eating and sleeping since then, so it is a while ago. It was last year. Um, Tom Heaton, do you think he should have saved that goal? Is he a bit susceptible um, to shots and distance? A long time ago, this you're asking me a tough question. Uh, this this is the quiz for this week. Can you remember the Middlesbrough goal? <laughs> I think he, I think he should have done better. I, I think he definitely should have done better. It reminded me a lot of uh, Ollie Norwood's goal at, at Huddersfield, which again he yeah bounced just he really should have done better for. And I know a lot of people have said you know they've, they've moved around a bit. The ball's bounced shortly in front of him, but he's, he's supposed to be a you know top off the championship keeper, and he he really should uh, at least be putting those around his post. Um, I saw something actually on a popular Burnley FC message board um, where someone was suggesting Tom Heaton is turning into a bit of a Lee Grant. 
in that he's um, susceptible to these shots from distance and he's going to not dive for shots that he should save. Um, you were a big fan of Lee Grant, weren't you? So you were a bit disappointed when he left. But do you think Heaton's stacking up well compared to Grant at this stage? I think I think technically they're both very very good goalkeepers. Uh, you know, they both kick with two feet, good shot stoppers. Um, but I think at the end of the day, if, you know, neither of them were going to make mistakes. They wouldn't play at Burnley because you know Man United or someone like that would be after them. Um, so I think you've got to take into account that at the end of the day, they are playing for Burnley. They are going to be liable to have mistake. But I mean, in the case of we, there was a lot of people complaining more about him parrying shots rather than uh, being susceptible from distance but I, I think pretty much every modern day keeper parries a shot and a lot of the time it's just up to the defence to, to clear that out of the way That is an interesting point actually one of the things I always think about about Burnley players I think the fans get an idea into their head about a player and then no matter what they do they decide that's like so we all got this idea about Grant pushing shots into the danger area into our heads and any time he did it, we all pointed at it and went, look, he does it, he does it. But the reality is he just didn't do it that often. Um, really not that much more to do on Middlesbrough, so we'll go through some more comments that we've had before moving on to one of the many other things we've got on tonight's agenda. Um, just going back to Keith Tracy, Roger's been on, he says, um, we have to change the way we play to get the best out of him. I think that's another really good point and probably not something we can afford to do is change the whole tactics just to get the best out of Tracy um, Jack says Tracy and Wallace are very similar players neither as good as Kitely but we do get some games out of them um, probably more often Wallace than Keith. I play Wallace over Keith. Um, and that's a good point as well lots of similarities actually between Tracy and Wallace obviously both came from Preston both take set pieces both carry a little bit of extra weight maybe if that's a fair thing to say um, Ganks has been on as well. He says, I admire Dyche and respect him for giving Tracy a second chance. He shows the measure of the man and his own self-belief that he can make a player of him. Tracy's contract is up in the summer, so it will be interesting to see if we decide to stick with him or just jettison him completely. And a question actually about Alvin Barley, who's gone back on loan to um, Leighton Orient for another month. He, his future at Burnley seems limited to be honest we'll go through the panel on Marvin Bartley because we've not seen much of him this season at all James You're, you don't rate him at all you used to think he was a walking red card is that fair to say? he's a running red card because obviously he's a runner <laughs> that's always he's something the fast. Burnley fans love <laughs> he, he runs around he can't particularly pass uh, he can't particularly shoot. I just don't really see the value of him in a, a centre midfield in a, a side that wants to challenge. Uh, he'd probably actually be a better centre back than he is a centre midfielder um, if he could stop himself getting sent off. It is interesting. I think Eddie Howe obviously brought him from Bournemouth and he had played a bit at Bournemouth at centre back, but we never saw him play that position at Burnley. It's, it would be interesting to see if he could play that role without getting sent off all the time. Um, Becky, what do you think of Marvin Bartley? Do you think we'll be back at Burnley or is he just going to end up going back to League One eventually? I don't, I don't think... I, say, yeah, I agree that his, his time at Burnley is probably, probably up and, you know, to keep to keep him fit, to get, to get out on loan, he's probably the best option for him. And, you know, if he's... If he's not getting a look in the Burnley side, you know the, the, the lad's hungry for football. The right thing to do is go and look for the football. And if he's getting football elsewhere in a lower division, and he's playing regularly, then you know he's doing the right thing. Um, but yeah, I don't think I don't think he's uh, he'll be at Burnley much longer now. What about you, Robbie? Have you got any thoughts on Marvin Bartley? Um, yeah, I, I feel it's it's the right time to go. Um, when, when we initially signed him. I've, in the early days, I thought you were a really, really good player. I, I remember one game in particular where we, I think I think it was Southampton at home where we drew one apiece. And uh, Marvin Bartley that day were absolutely superb. And I mean, he got man of the match. And I, I thought he was going to be the real deal then. But unfortunately, it hasn't really worked out for him, unfortunately. I think uh, Bartley was possibly one of those where the, the changing manager did him no favours, really. I mean, he wasn't a regular starter under Howe, but it was always going to be difficult to to um, 
impress a new manager and Daesh has obviously not really fancied him, which is the point Stato Paso has just raised actually on the chat. He said Daesh doesn't like him for some reason, he's not in his plans, so get a fee, use the wages to help the current squad would be the best bet. Matt Crossley says, um, I personally think he's better than Edgar Stock and Hewitt. Um, I think Daesh obviously fancies Edgar and Stock over Barley. Um, but yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. Roger says um, it's just important to get players off the wage sheet as well to see if we can get a few bob for them. I don't know how much shifting bobs is, or probably not that much. He's only gone for a month, but hopefully, Orient are paying his wages at least. Uh, Paul says, I can imagine, I can imagine he looks better at League One level. He wasn't actually playing for Orient at the start of the season when they started so well was he but I think he's been getting more football recently Paul compares him to Colton Palmer which I think he's unfair on um, one of them which one it is comparing the place to Colton Palmer is really mean <laughs> Gank says you can't fault his work rate even but Bartley simply has no technical ability that is damning um, right we'll move on from Marvin Bartley now still lots and lots to get through I'm trying to hurry the show along tonight there's lots lots and lots to get through. We'll talk about Sam Volks now. News from today is that Sam Volks has signed a two-year contract extension. Some good news that the club's Twitter account was um, highlighting as Good News Monday. I think they were trying to call it in response to, to part of the ER stories about Blue Monday. They always come out at this time of the year. Sam Volks will now be a Burnley player until the summer of 2017, assuming he sees out that contract. And I'm sure we'll all be delighted with that news. James Sam Volts, what do you make of that? Deserved for you, he's been exceptional this season, really, hasn't he? I, mean, I, think, it's, I think it's fantastic. He, uh, you know, he's come from a, a disappointing season last year of playing in every game, but only off the bench. Um, so I think you know he's, he's come out this season. He's been given his opportunity to start. He's proved he can score goals. He can hold up play. You know, he can do a, a lot of the dirty work that you need one of your front two to do. I think that's that's a really good point. I think he he occupies defenders, which is an underrated trait really for strikers. And that means that Danny Ings has got space to get in and around that back four and get into the box and cause problems and score goals. I think Sam Volts, you, you can't stress enough how important his work is to the side. Adam, a point from you on Sam Volts. Uh, just that his success has been really largely um, due to, to Austin leaving at the end, like at the end of the, the transfer window, just be, uh, just before the start of the season. Um, I'd love to see what he'd be like if, if Austin was still here. And, um, yeah, just just that he's he owes a lot of his success to uh, Austin being good, I guess, in a weird way. Yeah, and also the fact that Austin went so close to the start of the season, it meant that for the Bolton game especially, we had no choice but to play him in Ings. And I think after that, it was just the fact that they were playing so well that perhaps meant we weren't so desperate to get a striker in. And maybe that's why we haven't really played Austin just because they've done so well. Um, Becky, what do you think about Sam Bolts? Are you pleased about that news about his contract? Uh, yeah, really pleased. Um, the lad deserves it. I think this season, he, we, you know, I think most Burnley fans and everyone here, everyone listening tonight will agree that he's playing the best football that he's played at Burnley. Um, fully deserves it. Um, and it's, it's we cannot you know let's you know let's use it as you know as, as some sort of an all leverage or you know at least it's showing some promising signs that you know the players are wanting to stay at the club because the management's the management the setup and you know the support from you know from the fans alike are is is brilliant. The thing with us, James touched on it, is that he played every game last season, but it was bits and bobs now and again, he never had a run inside and it's difficult to impress when you're not playing that much. Robbie, do you think the, the fact that he's got a settled place in the side, do you think that's one of the reasons why he's been so much better this year? Um, yeah, I've I, I, I wrote an article a few, a few months back saying saying that I felt that Sam Volk's got a in the side he would, the, the goals would come and I'm just glad I've improved right because it I knew full, full well it was going to happen. That's a good prediction. <laughs> from Robin. Just said, like, yeah, I was right. <laughs> Everyone remember when I said that about Volks, yeah. 
I was definitely right. <laughs> that was great. Um, James, he hadn't scored for a while before Southampton, so it probably the goal came at a good time, didn't it, really? I think it was seven or eight without a goal, so hopefully he'll go on another little run now of goals. James yeah, Bird, I, I think I heard nine mentioned, but I've, don't hold me to that. But it, it's certainly quite... Yeah, speaking. Um, it, it, it was definitely quite a long time since he scored, and I think he's uh, he's got himself back on the score sheet with a, an excellent header. So I think it's fully deserved. Yeah, I'm just looking at the statistics actually, and his last goal was against Forest. I think yeah, penalty against Forest, and then the one before that was at Millwall. So he'd only scored a couple of goals in the last couple of months, really. So really good for Sam Bolts to get on the score sheet. I was actually one of the people who, who won. England ball get rested at Southampton just to, to give them a bit of a break because they played so much football but I think the fact that they played again and both scored uh, would probably do more good than having a week off so unlike Robbie I'm quite able to hold my hands up there and say I was wrong about that and I'm pleased that they both played <laughs> some comments from people on the chat about Sam it's really busy on the chat tonight which is really good it's always a better podcast when people are getting involved on um our little chat room type thing. Paul says it's great news to get Sam to sign on for longer. It sends out a good signal and he can only get better too. Stato Paso says it's a top move. He deserves it. Build a team around him even if Ings does leave. Simples. Alex says he's been to around six games and seen him have a few shockers, but he looked back on form against Southampton, so hopefully he'll get a few more goals. Gank says it's amazing how much he's come on this season, but that's what a consistent run of games does for you. Again, we have to thank Dash for believing in Volks. Matt says we've tied Volks down now. What about Ings and Trippier? Well, I'm sure they're in negotiations, but you can only sign players on if they want to sign. So I think the fact we haven't heard anything there is an indication that they don't really want to new deals. I hope I'm wrong on that. Roger says Dyche's belief in his players, giving them a chance, trusting the players, sends a message to the whole of the team and generates the team spirit, which is the hallmark of our season so far. I think that's spot on. Jack says Fox's contract was supposed to run out next summer. Same with Ings. With Ings' age, signing him on a new contract is a must. Again, I'm sure they're in negotiations and if there is any chance of Danny Ings signing a new contract, I'm sure they will do their very best. Um, a little bit of chat there about contracts, but I want to move on to transfers. We had a couple of comments earlier about transfers, but the transfer window is open now, of course, which gives us a chance to bring in a couple more players. The one that we've heard a lot about is Ashley Barnes, who we've apparently gone back in for after having bids of half a million rejected in the summer. Apparently, we've gone back in with a bid of 750000 which has been turned down as well. So he looks like he's the main target, but there's plenty of other names out there as well so please chuck in the names that you've heard we can do some rumours there was a couple earlier on the podcast that we've lost actually um, but we'll just go through the panel and ask about Barnes in particular because he's the one that looks like he is um, perhaps going to be on his way to the court I think Barnes is out of contract in the summer so it will be interesting if we can get him in James Bird Ashley Barnes do you know much about him do you think he's the right sort of profile I mean, to be honest I don't I don't really know a a huge amount about him and uh, obviously there's clearly something there that uh, Dash is a big fan of um, but obviously it depends on what role he wants to play I'm a, I'm a strong believer in signing players for a role rather than you know, signing players on the back of, of something else you want players who, who fit something you're looking for um, so maybe that, that is the case I mean uh, just looking at his stats this season I don't know how many minutes he's actually played but I know he's he's been involved twenty four times. He scored six goals, so you know he's he clearly can score a few. But um, it's just obviously he's not going to be able to display sports or rings at the moment. No, apparently, apparently Barnes has played off the left side of a front three at times for Brighton. So I don't know if that's an option we could look at. Um, he has played up front alone a lot this season just because Brighton have had a lot of strikers out injured. I think Ojeola has been out a lot and um, I think Craig Mikhail Smith, the other striker that they've got, he's been out injured a lot as well. Um, one of the things I've noticed actually about Barnes... He scored um, twice against Blackburn, obviously, which is always a good thing. Well, if he scores twice yeah. against Blackburn for us in March, that will make him an absolute hero. So, fingers crossed that's an omen. Um, Becky... 
if you've seen much of Barnes yourself, what do you make of him as a potential target? Um, I don't really know much about him. Um, you know, we won't we won't be speculating this if um, you know we, it's obvious. You know, we've we've been watching him. If we've had a bid turned down, and you know, you know, it sounds like the you know the club the club are keen on signing him. Um, um, a little bit off subject, but it goes it goes to prove that even like you know with the signing of Scott Ifield in the summer, how much he's come on as a player, and how 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 good a signing he's been for the team. Um, I think the addition of Ashley Barnes, if you know, if like I say, obviously, like I say, the club are keen on him and Sean Dash is too. That um, you know, with the right with the right mentoring from the manager and the co- and the coaching uh, the coaching staff, it can o- it can only be a good addition. And I you know I do I do hope that you know we do, we do um, secure him. Um, Robbie's just pointed out on the chat actually that Barnes was sent off game against. A couple of years ago, the one where I think um, Gus Poyer was sent off as well. Um, Adam, you were at that game, weren't you? Do you remember anything about Barnes, Barnes in particular, Barnes was sending off? I don't know. There were two sendings off, I think. Yeah, because they were down to nine men after about 18 minutes or something ridiculous. The tackle on um, Chris McCann. Was, was it was. that one or the one where someone elbowed Bartley? Um, no, that was whatever his name was. Yeah, it was the second one where he slid into McCann. Yeah, um, we got a really bad angle of that, but I remember everyone seemed to think it was a sending off, and basically the replays showed that it was a sending off. Um, so, yeah, it, that just shows. I suppose every player gets these things wrong every now and then. Um, so we can't really judge him on one one tackle that we've seen that's gone wrong against us once a few years ago. <laughs> He does seem to be a little bit of a bad and as Barnes, doesn't he? There's an incident with a referee, was it last season? And he ended up getting suspended for half a dozen games or something. So, yeah, he's obviously got that in his locker. But Dash, I think Dash is one of these managers. He does bring players in for ability. I think he's got to carry his personality and how they're going to fit in the squad. And I think he obviously thinks Barnes has got something that would fit in. So I think we have to trust him on this one. Um Paul says he's heard the bid has gone up today from 750000 I do think it's quite interesting that we only thought it was worth half a million in the summer, but that's going up even though he's out of contract in the summer. I suppose it's just a, an indication of how much we want him. Um, Alex says he's got a friend who's a Brighton fan who thinks very highly of him. He works hard, scores goals, but likes technical ability. Um, sounds a little bit like Martin Patterson then, actually. Um, Alex went to Wigan v Brighton in the Brighton end recently and he looked quite good. Would compare him to Scott Arfield. Um, well, Arfield's been excellent for us, so um, we'll we'll see how that one goes. Adam's just told me that Barnes tripped up a referee rather than um, pushing him over. But <laughs> it's um, still an interesting one. Um, Robbie, what do you make of Ashley Barnes? Um, I think he'll be a, a. I think he'll be the right signing. Um, I've been on a, a few like Brighton just trying to gather information on him. From from what I've read, he, he sounds as if he's going to be like a, a bit of like a Jay Rodriguez type player who's good in the air, a bit of pace, a good finisher. So I, I think if he's that type of player, he's. Um, I think he'll be the right one who can. Kind of play in between, kind of obviously. Danny Ings is a bit of pace, uh, quick feet as Sam Vox is like the target man. So I think he's like in between those two. So I think he might be the right signing and the correct target for us. Um, we've just had a note from Jack actually on the chat as well. He says he's heard rumours that there wasn't actually a bid at all. So um, whichever one is correct, you heard it here first on the Non Ever podcast. There's been no bid at all, or we've put that bid up today. Um, one of those is probably right. So only time will tell on the Ashley Bonds one. Um, hopefully, we will hear more about that in the next few days, and we'll be able to come back to it in. Um, on the podcast next week even um, one question we've just actually got in from Rick which will be a good one to end the show on I think he says if we've got three quarters of a million a million quid to play with um, we could buy a player for half a million and use the rest on a couple of players on loan he says which which would you rather we do if we've got that money should we spend it on a championship player or try and get players on loan and pay for their wages from the Premier League 
Um, James Bird, we'll start with you on that one. Do you think loans from the Premier League would be a better way to go than a, a player like Barnes? What if we do have about a million to spend, say? What do you think we should be spending it on? I don't think that that depends what you're looking for. Um, obviously, if, if we don't get promoted, you'd expect us to sell Danny Ings in the summer. And in which case, she probably think spending a million on someone like Ashley Barnes is is probably the right idea because that sets you up first the next season. Um, but obviously, you'd like to think that we can we can convert this position where we are. In which case, you'd probably think getting in some young blood from the Premier League, someone who's uh, got a little bit about him, got a bit to prove. Um, would probably be the better better way of spending the money. I think that's a good point. I think we do have to plan ahead for the fact that um, Volks are signing a contract, but if things doesn't, we are going to probably have to sell him in the summer. So bringing someone like Barnsley can be the replacement for Ings, I think that's a, a sensible way to do it. And the sort of thing that we did when we brought Ings in, planning ahead for life after Charlie Austin. So I think there is that succession planning type thing. Um Robbie, what about you? If if we're giving you a million pounds to spend on Burnley squad in the transfer window, where are you spending the money? Um, obviously central midfield and obviously an, an extra striker. Um, I, w- I would like to see him both be permanent signings, but uh, I, I, January is a, a difficult month to buy players in, so I'm not too sure target-wise. Um I read on Sky Sports earlier at Nicky Maynard's maybe going out on loan. Maybe he could be a potential target for us, but I think Wade, our wage contribution may just stall that one slightly, so I'm not too sure who else we could potentially go for. Maynard would be interesting. He scored goals at this level before, hasn't he? I think problem with a striker, Barnes is a bit different because he can play out wide. The problem with getting a striker is they are going to have to sit on the bench and be happy with that at least at first. Uh, Kevin Phillips, I think, is a really interesting one. He wants to leave Palace, but apparently um, for more football. So I, I don't know whether we could convince him to come and sit on the bench here, but I can't think of anyone I'd rather have on the bench to bring on if we need a goal than Kevin Phillips. That's that's realistic. I think he's outstanding. And of course, Phillips um, scored the winner in the playoff final for Palace in May. So he, he's got that big game experience as well. Um Becky will come on to you as well on our budget. We've just had a point from Stasso Paso. He says the budget could be as much as one and a half million to two million. So you've got a little bit more cash to, to play with. What would you be spending yeah. that cash on? Um well we you know, we can't just rely on Sam Votes and Danny Ings to be our every time strikers next week. We not you know each week. If one of them gets injured, then you know there's that's that's a big outlet of goals, um, you know, you know, not not there anymore. Um, you know, the goal, you know, we we need goals, we need goals to win games, and you know, we do we do need a backup option on that bench, because um, I think sometimes we do rely on he- rely too heavily on both things and votes to score the goals each week. Um, our players and they are bound to score goals each week, but they do they do need a backup, and I think you know if they're playing. E- week in week out they're going to need a bit of rest and that you know we need options on the bench as well um you may be another center midfielder as well um i don't i don't think brian stocks up to you know you're coming on and do, doing the job that you know marnie and and jones you know do so do so well most most games um but yeah, I, th- I think that's where I think that's where we need to strengthen up on, um, you know, because there's always options on the wing that we can use. Um, but mid- midfield, centre midfield, and you know, an option an option up front would be a, a good way to start the transfer window. You'll be upsetting James Bird there, criticising Brian Stock. I've got to warn you, he's <laughs> number one Brian Stock fan. Um, we have got a couple of comments actually before we wrap up for the for the show. Um, Matt says we could spend about a million on a new striker, and he wants a central midfielder on loan as well as funds to tie down Di and Katie—that's Ings and Tracy. That must be. Um, Jack says another centre-back would be a good addition. Duff is getting on a bit now and Long is too inconsistent. Um, Duff is definitely getting on. He's only 36 now, isn't he, nearly, Michael Duff? He's definitely getting on a bit. And Stasso Passos suggests Craig Dawson, who scores, goal, scores goals from set pieces and he's also a good defender. I think we've been linked with Dawson before. 
So that would be... Oh, Trippier, of course, not Tracy, obviously. Um, yeah. So we'll leave that there for now. It's been a really excellent show today. Thanks to everyone who's listened. Um, I'll be berated on the chat for for mixing up Kieran Trippier and Keith Tracy. They've got the same initials, and I thought of Tracy first. <laughs> yeah, thank, thanks to everyone who's listened. Um, do you just want to remind you, Rick was asking about how to get on the podcast earlier. And we are always keen for guests. If you're listening, we'd love to get you on sometime. Um, all you need to do is let us know via Twitter. The address is at net, Or you can email us blog at net. Interesting story, actually, from earlier. You probably won't thank us for reading this out. But Adam was guest tonight's podcast. And we had Ian Creamer on um, before the Christmas break. Um, and he, he tried to get in touch with Ian via Skype to see if he could come on the podcast today. And Ian was unavailable, actually. And Adam got a message back that said, Hi, Adam, it's Jane, Ian's wife. He is at work in a meeting until late tonight, so he will not be able to come on the podcast. Sorry. Um, which I thought was extremely funny. Um, Ian can't come on the podcast because he's in a meeting, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, if you're not going to be in a meeting, Monday nights at seven is when we record. And we always have new guests to come on. We've had Becky on tonight for the first time. Robbie and James were my guests as well. And Adam's been pressing the buttons as usual as well. We will be back on Saturday for None and Ever Live. It's Burnley at Yeovil Town. And the podcast will be back next Monday. So thanks again for listening. And we will be back next week. Good night. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the No Nay Never podcast. For more, visit nonaynever.net. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter at nonaynevernet. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.